Father, we worship you today. Lord God, we, we come before your throne through the access of the precious blood of Jesus this morning. And we just thank you, Father God, that all around the world, believers are celebrating your birth, Emmanuel, God with us, your salvation. For God, you loved us so much that you sent your Son, that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. Father, we love you, we bless you, we thank you, and we worship you this morning. Father, we just pray for every one of our loved ones and our family members in this moment. Those that are in the sphere of our influence, those that we, we know even personally, God, that haven't experienced the joy of salvation, that don't know you in a personal way. We pray for those loved ones, those family members, those friends, co-workers. We pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would begin to minister your life and conviction, your resurrection power. We pray, Father, that their bl blinders would come off of their eyes even this Christmas season. For, Lord, I couldn't imagine where I would be without you in my life. And I know everyone in this place can say the same thing. So we adore you, we honor you, and we worship you. And I pray, God, today that none of us would leave the same way as we came. But, Father, deepen our faith, deepen our understanding, our trust, our revelation and knowledge of you. And when we walk out of this place today, Father, may your glorious countenance rest upon each and every one of us. And we may we take it into every family gathering huh, and share your love, your grace, and your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said amen and amen. Well, put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, worship team. So glad you're here. Well, just something about Christmas season. The older you get, the faster they seem to come around. It just seems like we were just here yesterday uh, celebrating the birth of Christ. Time is on the move. <clears throat> and... Uh, Jesus is working on our behalf. Do you think about sometimes during this time, some of you, uh, some of you adults, what it was like when you were a child, the anticipation of Christmas Eve and what was all those packages and how many of them was yours and I hope the big one's mine. Yeah going off to grandma's house and having a wonderful dinner and oh we didn't watch much football back then but now football seems to be a thing too around this time maybe they did I might have been too young to really even care but take this opportunity during the season to you know express your faith to your loved ones and um because there's no, no greater gift that you can give anybody this time of the year than the gift of the knowledge of what Christ did for us. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, smile at your neighbor real big and say, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Oh, well, I, we won't go too long this morning. We're going to have communion together. And um, we're going to share the Christmas story and all of that. Um, it will be wonderful. I'm going to come just maybe at a little different approach this morning, but we'll end up at the same place and uh, Bethlehem's manger. Amen. If you would this morning, open your Bibles to the book of Numbers. Yeah, the book of Numbers. Because I believe that 
we really need to know and understand the significance of God becoming a man and paying the price for our sins. Numbers chapter 23. There was a time when God was not a man, right? Thanks, Marty. What you got going on here? Oh, that's a little down there. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Numbers 23. Yes, there was a time. Let's look at uh, what verse 18 declares. 23 and 18. And he took up the parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said, and shall he not do it? Turn your neighbor and say, won't he do it? <laughs> Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Whoo, glory to God. God has a plan, and his plan is to bless his children. But we see here that Numbers declares that God is not a man. There are many arguments today, especially in other religions around the world, that cannot simply come to bear and worship Jesus Christ because of this one scripture here in the book of Numbers, which was actually as it was written and when it was written was a very true statement that God is not a man, nor the son of man. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man, that he would change his mind. He's not going to change his mind about what he, we read that in the next verse, about blessing you. So we just have to think for a moment, before Jesus became a man, he was God. We see in scripture over in the book of Isaiah, the Bible says in chapter 6, Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up. He got a glimpse into the domain of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. The triune being of God. Oh, many people trip up on the Trinity, but I don't. God is one essence. He's, he's one what and he's three who's. That's God. He is a triune being. He made us in his image, and we too have some of the essence of God. But what separates you and I from being God is the part of his essence that is eternal. He was and is and is to come. I just got here like, I don't know, a few years ago. <laughs> no, actually 60. But when you think about it in the light of eternity, we're going to live forever. Amen? But we were not in forever past. But Jesus was in forever past. That's what makes him God. That's what makes him the Savior. That's why he said, if you can't call Jesus God, then you can't come to salvation. Because Jesus is God. But there's a lot of people that are tripping up because the Bible says that God is not a man. Well, there was a time, and Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, the train of his robe filled the temple. Moses actually said in the book of Exodus 33 and 18, he said, God, show me your glory. I want to see what this is. What is your essence? Who are you, God? Can I get a glimpse into the heaven? Can I get a glimpse into your do domain? And God told Moses, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do, Moses. Uh, no one can see the total essence of my glory and live. But I'll put you in the cleft of a rock, and I will pass by you. And when I pass by, I'll lift my hand and let you see my hinder parts. I think this is kind of an insight to a revelation how Moses could see Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. God let him see Behind, in the beginning, was God. He got a revelation. 
He wanted to see the glory of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, it says that Paul, he says, I knew a man, whether in the spirit or not, but he was caught up in the third heaven. And he heard words in the King James. It says that were not lawful. It actually means inexpressible. I heard things that are beyond my understanding. I heard words that I had no ability to comprehend. There is something far above and beyond anything that we know and understand. Paul got a glimpse. John, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, that he heard the voice, the sound of many waters, and angels singing, hallelujah, glory to God in the highest. God in his creation, we get a little glimpse from the word of God that he created four-faced beings. I'm seraphim and cherubim, archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and old slewfoot, known as Lucifer, the fallen angel. So we can imagine the vast glory of God and Jesus who had a position in God's essence, but in a different person as the Son and the Holy Spirit that was enthroning the eternal presence of God. God in his creation and all of his glory. And the reason that I want to make this statement this morning is that Jesus didn't have to do what he did. He is God, was God, will always be God. He was not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. But I want you to notice something in this scripture. It doesn't say anywhere in this passage that God would not become a man. <laughs> but it does say if he became a man, what kind of man he would be? He would be a man that would not lie. He would be a man that does not change his mind. And if he would become a man, he's going to become a man that would hold true to his blessing and promise. And we know that God was not a man, but we do also know that he became a man. Let's look at the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Track with me here a little bit. This is the greatest story ever told. That God would become a, who was not a man would become a man now you have to understand that if god who was not a man and was going to become a man there has to be a really good reason for it right i mean it wasn't just like okay i just want to become a man no god had an absolute reason for becoming a man isaiah chapter 9 if you're there, say amen. amen. I haven't said amen yet myself, but now I'm amen in it. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 9. Let's look at this. Powerful stuff. God is not a man that he should lie. Trips up millions of people around the world. Can't worship a man because he said he wasn't a man. But wait a minute. Isaiah prophesied something and said, chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Right? Counselor. The what? The mighty God. Isaiah said, although God was not a man, he, he's about ready to become a man. Something's getting ready to happen. God takes this very seriously, the purpose for which he became a man. Why would he leave his glory? He said, I will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the what? The Prince of Peace. This is God announcing, I'm going to become a man. Whew. I'm not a man that I should lie, nor the son of a man that I should repent. 
but I'm coming. The Bible says in the book, book of Philippians that God, Jesus, who being in the form of God, found it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of human flesh. And not only did he take on the form of human flesh, but he came obedient and obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God has highly exalted him above everything in heaven and earth and beneath the earth. He left exaltation. He became humble and condescended and became a man. He took on terrestrial when all he ever knew was celestial before the fall of man man was walking in an understanding that he must be celestial because he was hanging out with the celestials the angels god himself walked with man through the garden of eden in the cool of the day but when man wanted to uh, fall for the lie of Satan and find out what it means to be disobedient. They didn't know what that meant. The knowledge of good and evil was hid behind one commandment. Don't touch it. Because once you touch it, you're going to find out why I said don't touch it. You're going to find out that's disobedience. Right? They didn't know. They just should have listened. Sometimes kids, just listen to your parents. Why, daddy? Why, mom? Because I said so. (laughs) I don't need a reason why. I said so. Uh, Most of the time, that doesn't do for your kids. Think about it. How many times did you hear them just say why once? It's why, 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 why? I don't understand. Why? I don't understand. Well, once they partook, they realized in just one moment of time that they were not celestial, they were terrestrial, and the glory of God lifted off of them, and they said, wait a minute, we don't have any right hanging out with these celestial beings. They went and hid themselves, realized that they were naked, and that they were from the dirt. (laughs) And they hid from God. God made man, watch this, man was a subset of creation itself. God made the heavens and the earth, and then he went to what he made, and then he made something else. Right? God formed man from what he created. He didn't just say, speak and say, man be. God made the dirt, and then God went to the dirt, and then God made man. Why? Because this earth was made for man, and man was made from what it was for. Are you with me this morning? We're going to get to Luke. Hold on. It's important that we understand that God had an eternal plan to have a relationship with a terrestrial being covered in celestial glory. Glory to God in the highest. He wanted a human family that he could create a world where they could exist, rule, reign, and have dominion over everything and co-labor with God and the development of the earth that he made. Go out through all of Eden, Adam and Eve, and what you see here, be fruitful and multiply. Spread it across the whole earth underneath the weight and the presence of my glory. Walk with celestial understanding to where I can bring all the animals to you and you know exactly what to call them. Not only that, I've got something even greater for you to do here, Adam and Eve. I want to not only create... You two that have an eternal essence, not eternity past, but eternity future. 
I, I not only want to you two to be a part of that eternity future plan. You're not eternity past. That's the lie of Satan. You will become as God. You will never become eternity past, which makes God's essence different from your essence. Do you follow? But I want you to be a part of my plan, not only take care of the earth and what you see here in, in, the, in the trees and the gardens and uh, the, the, the life and the resources, take it, break it, bless it, multiply it, build it, create something. But I want you to be a part of my eternal plan to procreate and populate this kingdom. What kingdom? The eternal kingdom future. God gave you an awesome opportunity and responsibility to populate eternity future. I know I just, maybe this is some easy for you to get, but I just can't hardly fathom how great God and his eternal plan is for his human family. He loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he loves you. You are more than you think you are. And God has given you more opportunity and responsibility, destination, and purpose than you can ever imagine in your own mind. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what all you could ever think, ask, or even imagine. This is God. And so we see that God is going to come in a celestial, terrestrial form. Unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born. Now we can fast forward to the book of Luke. Track with me over there to Dr. Luke. Oh, I love this story. Prophesied by Isaiah. What? That God who was not a man was going to become a man. Because that which was terrestrial, that was covered in celestial, had lost their celestial, and now they were just terrestrial. They're of the dirt. No access back to the celestial presence of God. So God has to become one of us to get us back to being celestial with him, his presence, his glory. We can pick this story up over in the book of Luke. Let's start Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And let's go over to verse 26. Luke 1, 26. Here's the announcement prophesied by Isaiah. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin and spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Very important statement there. I don't have time to get in it, but he was of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail thou how art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and she cast in her mind, what manner of salutation is this? I mean, I don't know. Could you imagine Gabriel, the messenger angel, showing up at your crib one night saying, I got a message. <laughs> You're my favorite. I mean, I, I can't imagine. And something's getting ready to happen that's going to change the world. God, who was not a man, is going to become a man, and I'm going to bring him through you. Oh, Lord Jesus, put your mind around that. And when he saw him, she, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and she cast in her mind, what manner of salutation? And the angel of the Lord said to her, fear not, Mary, 
for thou hast found favor, favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Lord, have mercy. I mean, can you imagine what she must have been thinking? Okay, I'm going to have a child. But she's not thinking I'm going to give birth to God. Who is not a man, but is going to become a man and experience a terrestrial existence to bring humanity back to a celestial relationship. Oh, Lord Jesus. What kind of woman must this girl have been, Lord? And the angel said on her, don't fear. You're going to bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Joseph of the lineage of David, but not the father of Jesus. She says something very interesting here. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Do you know that you are part of a never-ending eternal future kingdom? This thing has no stopping place. There is not a period in the plan of God's eternal kingdom for his human family. And then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing that I don't know a man? Great question. I mean, you're going to have a child. How's that going to happen? I don't have a man, ain't been with a man. I mean, I'm engaged, but, you know, there's a little taboo there. And the question, I know not a man, is the very reason that she becomes the candidate to bring forth God, the Son, to this planet. And the angel goes on and further explains. And the angel answered, And said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the blessed third person of the Trinity. The same what, but a different who. The angel answered and said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that... Holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. I'm going to give you a little confirmation. I'm going to put your little heart at ease here, Mary. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this was the sixth month of her pregnancy and whom was also barren. Verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, thy handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So we find out that God is coming to mankind, God who was not a man, that he should lie, nor the Son of Man, that he should repent, is now going to become a man. Lord, have mercy. Now, the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit is so very, very important. Because this man, Jesus, did not come from the seed of a man by the name of Joseph, who was espoused to the Virgin Mary. This seed came from a celestial place, not a terrestrial place. This was not the seed of Joseph, because Joseph's seed was like any other male seed. It was from the dirt. It was from... The terrestrial. Terrestrial begets terrestrial. 
right? And the thing about the terrestrial seed from the curse that we find in the book of Genesis is that it is separated from God without access, alienated, bound to the earth. And not only bound to it, lives on it and returns to it. Something about this seed and this conception is so important that if you miss this understanding, you can be talked out of your salvation by people that are agents of the devil that have absolutely done their research, have got the scriptures that can manipulate your understanding and your thinking that Jesus is not God. He's just a prophet. Yes, he's a prophet, but he was more than a prophet. A prophet is simply a messenger from God. But he's not just a messenger from God. He is God himself, the very essence of God. What does that mean? You got to get this. He was, is, and will ever be God eternal. God eternal came into time, became a man for a specific purpose. It can't be that Jesus came into time, separated from the essence of his eternal existence because he would no longer possess the ability to become the propitiation for your sins. So it's the Holy Ghost that overshadows thee. What's the difference? The Holy Ghost, the seed of the Holy Ghost does not have the sin of the terrestrial seed. There is no sin and the eternal seed of the Holy Ghost. There's no iniquity. There's no sin. There's no fallen nature. There's no separation from God eternity and God past, God present, and God future. This is a celestial essence being formed in the womb of a terrestrial virgin to become God in the flesh. <clears throat> oh, why would he do it? This is where I think we lack understanding of just how much God loves us. How much God cares for us. How deeply he is concerned and the depth of the desire that he has to have a relationship with his human family. He could have ended it. He could have never had it at all. But he chose to have a human family. You know, there's that great argument that you have today. Well, God, why couldn't he have created a world without sin? He did. Why did Adam and Eve, uh, if they were in a perfect world and they were created in a perfect state, how is it that they became sinners separated from God? Because they, when God breathed into their nostrils, his very spirit, his essence, and they became a living soul, they started then. God was before that. God was eternal. And because he is eternal and because he is perfect, he is eternally perfect. They did not possess within them the eternal perfection of God because he did not make himself. The angels could not uh, they could fall and sin against God because they were not part of his eternal essence although part of his celestial essence eternity future it's only eternity past that's why truth oh gosh almighty oh that's why truth will always be the truth no matter what you think about it 
whether you believe it or not. Because truth didn't come to this planet when you arrived. <laughs> right? Truth didn't come to this planet when you got all smart and thought you figured something out. Truth was before this planet ever was. Truth is eternal. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can't change the truth. Because it was truth, eternal past, present, and future. God, eternal perfection, past, present, future. Man arrived without the eternal perfection and truth. They came with the power to make a choice. They could choose eternal perfection future or they could change it. Are you with me? Is this too much for Christmas morning? I'm so sorry. I just, I wish I could just be that preacher that just reads it and just reads it. Uh, I, I maybe I overthink it too much, but it's important because there's a fight for your soul. There's a fight for your faith. There's a fight for your family, and Satan and his spirit of deception has never been greater on this planet than it is right now. And the 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 revelation and the understanding and the IQ of Christians have has never been lower than it is right now. I can't get any help up in here. Search the scriptures, for in them you have and believe you have eternal life, right? People that don't have eternal life search the scriptures more than the Christians that have eternal life to talk the Christians who have eternal life out of eternal life using the word of eternal life against them. And they come with very convincing arguments and they'll trip you up in your belief and in your thinking because we just want to read it. We don't want to think about it. Meditate on the word of God day and night. This law shall not depart out of thy mouth and out of thy heart. Search the scriptures. Put it inside of you. Have a defense when somebody comes and says, did you know that God's not a man and therefore I can't worship him? Didn't you read Numbers? Haven't you read Numbers 23 yet? It says God is not a man, but you're worshiping a man. Yeah, but it doesn't say God wouldn't become a man. Look at Isaiah chapter 9. <laughs> Come at me, bro. I got you. I'm not afraid of any of your arguments. And we all should stand firm, steadfast, unmovable upon the faith because we're not afraid of the Bible and what it says. And we don't fear the deception of Satan to try to twist it and steal our faith. Don't let nobody take your crown. It's all here. If you'll get your mining cap out and get your shovel out, get your work boots on, man, and just start digging it out, dig it out, dig it out, dig it out. It'll confirm in your heart the truth will come alive on the inside of you. You will be unshakable, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That will be you, my friend. And when death comes knocking at your door, it'll come knocking and you'll have a big smile on your face because you know this terrestrial is about ready to put back on celestial. That which Adam lost, Jesus got it back. Hallelujah. And I can't get that to I get rid of this, baby. That's why God says in the Bible 365 times, fear not. And don't fear him who has the power of death. It's a transition in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. We shall be changed. Yeah. 
This corruption will put on incorruption. This mortality will put on immortality. Can I get a Holy Ghost witness this morning? Somebody say amen. Yeah, come on, put your hands together if you believe it. It's for this reason, Mary, that you can bring forth that which I've declared. A son is given, a child is born. He shall be the son of God. It's going to happen. And in him there will be no sin. And in that seed there is eternity past, eternity present, and eternity future. God, God, God. In that seed is eternity past, present, and future. The essence of that seed is what makes him God. Eternity past. You're about ready to give birth to eternity past present and future. You're about ready to give birth to truth that is eternal and it's getting ready to step into time. You might try to change it. But this thing will be here. I mean, I get into uh, defending the faith online all the time. It's one of my favorite things to do. Because they're slick. They're deceptive. They're under demonic influence. And they think Christians are stupid. We don't know what we're talking about. But this truth. Somebody told me the other day, said, you better watch what you're saying. Because... Your face is on here, and you might get doxxed. <laughs> okay. Won't be the first time <laughs> or the last. And I said, you can dox me, but you cannot dox the truth. They tried to crucify it, and three days later, it raised itself from the dead because the seed was God's essence Eternity past, eternity present, and eternity future. It was here before you got here, smarty pants. It'll be here long after you're gone. And you have an opportunity to, to accept it or reject it, and that will determine in your eternity future who you're going to hang out with. I'm chilling with truth. Anybody want to chill with truth? There's one thing about all of the lies. When you leave this terrestrial and the essence of God that you have, your spirit steps into eternity, you're going to run smack dab right into truth. It was true. It was true. In eternity, past, it was true in time, and it's true in eternity future. That's why you can't change it. Oh, you can change it for yourself for a little while. But when you go meet truth on the other side, it'll be what it's always been. The unchangeable, eternal truth of God. All right, I'm almost finished. We're going to have communion. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, now let's go to the crescendo here. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 2. Oh, yes. Luke chapter 2. Mm, mm, mm. God who was not a man 2,000 years ago, becomes a man. And it came to pass in those days, verse 1, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus to all the world, that all the world, everybody should be taxed. Ain't nothing changed. 
But it's interesting here. How you look at it a little bit this way. I've shared this before. Caesar, Augustus, is thinking he's getting ready to build up his treasury. He wants to take a census to make sure there ain't nobody cheating him. And the best way to do this is send everybody back to their hometown, take the census, and collect, collect the tax. Right? This is what he's thinking. But actually, God, who is not a man that is becoming a man, has a specific place where he is to be born. Mary is pregnant with God eternal, but they, they ain't in Bethlehem. They got to get to Bethlehem. Why? Because Micah said, chapter 3, that this God who was not a man who became a man was going to be born in a specific place. Bethlehem. So God uses this carnal king, sinner man, to step in and make a decree to get God where Micah said he would be born and this guy just thinks he's collecting taxes. No, he was a victim of prophecy. God used him. And look what happened here. And they all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, onto the city of David which was called Bethlehem. So they were hanging out over by the Galilee in Nazareth. And Mary's got to get to Bethlehem in a hurry. <laughs> so God uses the greed of Augustus to de declare a decree. And he steps right in the doo-doo, man. Right in it. <laughs> You're working for God and you don't even know it, bro. Look what happens here. And so it was that while they were there, the days would be accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the end. So many good Christmas messages in that. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He is your Savior. He is also your Christ, and he's also your Lord. Hmm. A lot of people want a Savior, but they don't want a Christ. What's Christ mean? That's the anointed one. What does the anointing do? It breaks the yoke of bondage. I want to go to heaven, but I really enjoy my bondage. <laughs> A lot of people want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. Why? Because I want to go to heaven, but uh, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? And this shall be a sign, verse 12, shall be a sign unto you, and you shall find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, clothed, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was, a, with, there was with the great Angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts. Can you imagine God coming to earth? You don't think heaven's going to be there to watch? 
God who was not a man's becoming a man, and you think eternity, past, present, and future, and some of the celestial host that he created, his divine family, wasn't going to show up? Oh, This is a big deal. Right? It's not just a big deal for you. It's a big deal in heaven. The angels are checking it out. I got a song they can't sing. Redeemed. The blessed. The redeemed. The angels are checking this out. They don't know what's going on. And the revelation of redemption, because... They ain't candidates for it. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to man. What was God doing? He was willing his goodness to us for God is good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above and whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. He's always at the height of his power, and his essence is eternal. That's what makes him God. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. And he's omnipresent. He's God. And now, he's come to earth. In the form of a man. Because man owed a debt that they could not pay. So God came as a man. The only way to pay the debt was to come as a man to pay the debt that he did not owe. Well, why did he have to become a man to do it? Why couldn't he just, you know, twinkle his nose, just wave some pixie dust and just... Because God eternal is just. He's loving. He's merciful. He's a God of justice. What is justice? Adam, man... First Adam lost it. For everybody. What'd he lose? He lost eternity, future, with the celestial presence of God. He lost it for everybody. Everyone born of the seed of Adam. Gone. Wiped out. It's out of here. You're all under the same judgment. You're all under the same condemnation. For what Adam did, because when he sinned, you were in him. He's the father of all men. Eve is the mother of all men. The curse passed down. Everyone was under it. Everyone had the same condemnation. The wages of sin is death. Centuries passed. Millennia past, how's God going to fix this problem if he even wants us back? Justice. He does it with justice. So Adam and his corrupt seed lost it for everybody, one man. Here comes God coming as a man with incorruptible seed, one man with the potential to buy it back. For everybody. I know this is elementary, but it just still just puts a smile on my face. Do you know why? It makes sense, people. It just makes sense. So here comes God in the form of a man 
to what? Bring justice to God's righteous demands that sin should be punished. He came as a man because a man lost it. Jesus, the man, can buy it back. How can he do that? Because in his blood is no sin, is no corruption, is no malice. He is God in the flesh with sinless blood in his veins. Consider Jesus who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil and curing all their diseases, feeding hungry people, raising dead people, bringing hope in life. Did nothing wrong, yet they killed him. Why? Because he be, because he claimed to be God. I and the Father are one. They hated him for it, but they're falling right into his plan. Because inside of the body of Jesus was the sinless blood that had the power for the propitiation of sin. And when they, when death came after Jesus, it had no right to him. And when death slew Jesus, it slew itself. One man lost it. Jesus bought it back because he paid our debt of death that he did not owe because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, eternity, past, present, and future, with no sin in his blood. Death came a-knocking, Satan came a-knocking, and Jesus freely paid the price. Huh. Adam lost it. Jesus bought it back. How do we know this? What is the ultimate confirmation of all of this? Tear down this temple, and three days I'll raise it up again. It was impossible for death to hold him because he owed it nothing. He took care of business, went into paradise, preached to the saints of the past, and when he came out of the grave, a bunch of those guys come out of the grave too. (laughs) When Jesus raised from the dead, he brought validity to every one of his claims. He is God. We're closing now. Let's just close this with some of the great I am's. Um, can I, let me finish the story. I'm sorry. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest peace on our goodwill towards men. And it came to pass as the angels were going away from, <clears throat> from them to heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now eat, go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made it known abroad, saying that which was told unto him concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. We'll end with this. The I am. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the door. I am access to eternity future. 
Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, the shepherd of the sheep. And my people hear my voice and the voice of another they won't listen to. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Jesus said, I am the true vine from which eternity past flows. Graft into me, my friend, and you'll have eternity future flowing in you. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Well, put your hands together if you love him this morning. If you're here today, you're watching online. You don't know this Jesus or you've questioned your faith, but today you said, wait a minute, preacher, this just makes so much sense to me. My heart is under conviction. I feel the weight of the presence of the love of God coming and wooing me. Maybe you've been backslidden. Maybe, maybe someone else calls you to question your faith, but today it just makes sense to you. Let me encourage you wherever you're at this morning. The word of God is true and Jesus Christ came to bring you back to him. It's very simple. All you have to do is acknowledge, wait a minute, what I heard, my conscience says it's true and my heart is burdened with the sin of separation. My spirit is unclean. I'm filthy. My hands are filled with blood. I'm undone. I'm alienated. I'm separated. I'm totally terrestrial. I have no terrestrial in me. I'm hidden. I'm covering myself. I'm making excuses for myself because God's essence is far from me. He's holy. I'm not. He's separate and other, and I'm far from him. Jesus came as that baby wrapped in swallowing coats, God eternity, to say, hey, I want you back. All you've got to do is allow truth to bear witness with your conscience and repent of your sins. Turn your back on the terrestrial affairs of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life as though they have some sense of satisfying and redeeming your purpose and existence. No, it's a lie. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Come to him. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, then I will give you rest. Take and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Open up your heart wide and just say, yes, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You are God eternal. You are God in essence. You are God in three persons and you came to redeem me. I open up my heart. I repent of my sins. I don't have to have it my own way. You showed me the way. I humble myself before you. I ask you now to wash me with your spirit. Regenerate me with your word. Make me alive unto you, God. God sent his son. His son sent the Holy Spirit. And now his spirit is bringing conviction that you might be saved. Open your heart and say, yes, God, this is my Christmas season when the Son of God becomes alive in me, when he, His Spirit is born again in me, I open my heart. Can you do that today? Do you want to do that today? Is the Holy Spirit convicting you today? Are you drawn to the truth like a moth to the light? Just tell Him, Lord, I repent of my sins. Jesus, you are God, my Lord, my Savior, my Christ. Forgive me of my sins. I accept the price that you paid because I can't pay it myself. I'm unclean. 
graft me into the vine today as I open my heart and I receive you now into my heart. Just tell him with contrition, repentance, humility, and acceptance that without him you're nothing. And here he comes. Did you do it? Did you open your heart? Receive his peace right now. Receive his confirmation that you're his child right now. The guilt, the shame, the sin, gone in Jesus' name. Unforgiveness, bitterness, pain of your past. Rejections, offense, forgiven. Jesus, you have become my Savior, my Lord, and my God. If you think that's the best decision a person could ever make, and if they made it today, put your hands together as all heaven rejoices. Hallelujah.